0: Welcome to the Vineyard Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at vkcwest.com. We're starting Advent. And so we're starting a a series um, called Surprising Joy, an Advent journey with Jesus. And so uh, it is, it's just true. All throughout the birth narratives of Jesus, you have this surprise of joy that came upon normal people And one of the surprises is that, you know, when the king, uh, you know, the king of all the universe uh, came, he did not uh, come to the most powerful and the greatest, the highest of highs, the most popular, the most famous people. He came to the lowly people. And God was announcing that I'm shifting things. I'm turning things upside down. I'm turning things upside down and I'm going to change things by reaching The lowest of the lows and work my way up instead of starting with the top. It's not about popularity. It's not about those things. And so as we see Jesus come, there's this surprise all throughout. And so um, as we look at it, what we're going to do is we're going to walk through and we're going to look at eight characters from the birth of Jesus and how they experience Jesus coming and And, and what happens with them? I will tell you that there's some animals in there. There's some donkeys and camels and different things. And then we'll, we'll, we'll finish up on Christmas Eve as we look at that as well. So today what we're going to look at is we're going to look at how God changes our plans, right? If you, um, if you ever want to hear God laugh, Woody Allen said, uh, tell him your plans. Isn't that true? You know, and 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 I, I want to say because sometimes we can be sensitive, it's like, well, God doesn't laugh at me. That's not the point. It's just saying that that look, there is a God and you are not Him. Okay? Uh that's a, a key uh principle in life. And uh and God will change plans. God is 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 uh interested in your plans and, and He has a plan. Uh Proverbs 16 verse 9 says we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. I'll never forget it. Uh, I, the day that I think like God called me into ministry, I didn't know it, but he called me to drop out of uh, college where I was at. I was getting ready to transfer to San Diego State University and driving in my car. And he spoke to me about dropping out and going to this, this year long Bible college. And, and uh, I had no desire. I didn't want to or anything else. And, but I, I would read the proverb of the day, right? There's 31, Proverbs, I'd read that. It was, it was on Proverbs 16. And I was like, God, is this really you speaking to me? And I read this verse and he said, you know, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. And so I had different plans. God intervened. Also too, we know that, that, that God, what he has is he has good plans. Jeremiah 29 verse 11, he says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, they are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. And that was written to the people of Israel when they were in captivity and he was saying, look, I want you to settle down in life. I want you to do this in the plans that I have. And it was written to them, but we can apply it to our lives as well because it's the heart of God for the people that seek after him. And so when we look at plans, we have to, you know, say, God, you know, I hold these loosely, uh, you know, I mean, all you have to do is, is, is uh, you get married or, or have kids to, to understand that one. You know, uh, I just, I have this plan for the day you know, uh, and, in and, and all the things that will happen. That's why Jesus said, you know, don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow has enough worries of its own. And there's enough involved in tomorrow. You don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. Right. And so what we're going to look at first is we're going to look at Elizabeth and Mary and, uh, they were cousins. Okay. And they, they ended up being pregnant at the same time. And, uh, so we see these miracle mothers cause both became pregnant, uh, by a miracle, and uh, we see leaping babies in the scene and, and, and we see surprising joy. Uh, they, uh, their babies in their wombs, uh, you know, really experienced joy. You'll see that. Um, uh, both women arrived at this joyful place that we read by having their plans changed by God. They had one plan. God did them different. One was older. One was younger. One had to wait longer. One had to get involved much sooner than she wanted to. And so isn't that how the, the people of God are? That's why it's beautiful. We come together. None of us have the same experience, but God works. Elizabeth's plans were delayed and God appeared to be late or absent. Ever been there? You know, I know the saying that God's never late, but it sure feels like it sometimes. Mary's plans were interrupted and God appeared to be early. So let's read together. Luke chapter one, verse 39. It says, a few days later, And this is after an angel came to Mary and told her that that God would bring the Messiah through her. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child, uh, who would be John the Baptist, leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard you, your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful for he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then went back to her own home. And so what a scene, right? I mean, who would not want to be at that place, right? It's, it's a place where, Desires and dreams are happening. It's where uh there's new life, um, there's joy, there's um uh, uh understanding that God is working and moving in my life. Uh it's a place of 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 just greatness. It feels good and, and they're together in that moment. And yet what happened to get there and what happened on the inside of them was very difficult. And it still is difficult as they walk forward. And so Elizabeth, her plans were delayed and she was waiting. So it's when God is late. And so Elizabeth was, um, was the, from the priestly line of Aaron. And so she was a prime uh, spouse for priests. Priests could marry uh, others, but they typically like to marry uh, women that were from the line of Aaron. Uh, that they were uh, had a family of priests as well. So her husband Zachariah was a priest from the line of Abijah, and so um, they didn't have any children. Verse seven tells us in chapter one, uh, and it says that that because uh, Mary could not um, could not conceive, um, and so she um, she had a barren womb. And it's interesting to think. I mean, we don't know. We know so much more about science today. You know, typically within their belief during this time. Uh, you know, they would say it was, you know, the woman, you know, because the woman couldn't do it. They would put it on her, because for the men, you know, they, you know, no way is it is it me that, you know, can't make this happen. And so, but uh, the word here says that uh, that Mary could not have uh, have a child. They were probably in their in their 80s or 90s, possibly, uh, definitely for sure, uh, past the 60s into the 70s. Uh, as far as the terms that are used here. Um, so what Elizabeth m- must have felt because of her barrenness was uh, she maybe felt abandoned. Uh, she maybe had resentment against God, against others. Um, she maybe have felt despair at certain points. Uh, she may have felt alone. She may have felt judged or condemned. Socially, if you did not have children, it was viewed that you had some sort of sin in your life, or your uh, your parents had some sort of sin in their life that made it so that you could not have children, and so it, it, you were really judged and condemned. And and especially too, the pressure, um, you know, as a as a as a priest, you know, her husband's a priest, and she's from the line of priests, and and so of course, if if, if anybody could. Uh, could have children they should, and yet there must be really something wrong with them. They must really not be righteous and so that was that was put on them. Um, uh, she may have felt worthless uh, she may have felt like a failure. Um, she may have uh, felt shame and loneliness and and then also worry because children would uh, provide for their parents, and so as the parents got older. The children now would provide for the parents as they weren't making money. And so they would do that. So so they uh, not only were provided for by the tithes of the people that provide at the church and the temple, um, but then in their older age, uh, they were concerned about not being provided for because they didn't have any children. And so all of this was going on in Elizabeth. All of this was, was stirring up in her as it seemed that God didn't listen to her. It seemed that God didn't have a plan for her. It seemed that God forgot about her. It seemed that, that God's faithfulness and his promises didn't apply to her. You ever been there where you just feel like, man, God, I, I, I don't know. That's what you're doing with these people. But I I don't know. I think you forgot about me. You know, would you remember me? Uh, what was God really doing, though? Right? Because there's a saying that says feelings without facts creates fiction. Right? A lot of times we have feelings and And those feelings tell us lies a lot of times. And so the facts were, is that what God was doing is that God was preparing them to give birth and to parent John the Baptist, one of the most influential people, even though he had a young life in all of history, one of the most important roles in all of history. That's what God was really doing. And yet the lie is, is that God isn't doing anything or God's forgotten me or God's not uh, walking with me. You see, the event that happens is interesting. Zachariah was one of probably 18,000 priests and they all had the same job, like main job, like the big job, like the one job that you do, right? You have your job, all the stuff that you don't want to do. Okay. And, you know, but then you have your core, like this is actually my job description. And they would go into the temple and they would light incense before the morning offering and after the evening offering. And so it was a once in a lifetime opportunity for a priest to be able to do that because there was 18,000 of them. And so this was a once in a lifetime opportunity for Zachariah. And so he goes in, he goes in, it's his time and he Totally botches it. It's as far as everybody else feels, because he goes in there, he's doing his thing, okay, and um, and he doesn't come out, okay. He doesn't come out on time. Well, what's happening inside is he's going about his thing, lighting it, and an angel shows up, okay, and the angel tells him, "Look, God has heard your prayers. Your wife Elizabeth is going to have a child, and he, you're going to name him John." and God's going to do all these great things. And then Elijah, or Zechariah, like a like a good uh, godly man says, "How do I know you're really telling the truth?" Okay? And so the angel goes, "Here's how. You're going to be mute until the baby is born. You're not going to be able to speak." And so it's just this huge occurrence that takes place. It's it's really a miracle. And so he comes out and he can't talk and everybody's like, "What's going on?" And even the name John uh, was not a family name. Uh, but uh, when the, you know, Mary, I mean, uh, 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 Elizabeth, she said, well, his name's John. And, and, then, and then finally he can speak. Yep, yep, that's it. That's what the angel told me. So it's this huge scene. That's what God's really doing. He's preparing them for this great thing. And then also verse 13, it says that God heard your prayers. Know that today, that if you're praying for a miracle, know that today, that if you need a miracle, that God hears your prayers. He absolutely hears you and we see it. He has a track record of that. Um, Also too, in verse 14, it says that they will have joy and gladness. So even though their feelings tell them one story that this is terrible, this is horrible, God's not doing anything in my life. God's saying, I'm leading you to a place where you're going to have joy and gladness. And not only that, but other people are going to be glad and joyful from what I do through you as well. And then then also there's a miracle. Zechariah was muted for a period of time. That's a miracle. And then also um, that, that Elizabeth would have a baby. It's such a late age and birth. And God is signaling something. He's signaling to everyone for all time to say, this is a big event. This is one of the biggest events, right? We, we like to think that there's all kinds of history changing events, but in reality, there's very few. In scripture, there's actually very few that actually change the course of everything. So the one before this, which Luke is is signaling to, all of God, what he's doing is that is Sarah and Abraham, Genesis 12, okay? Where you have an older couple that has no children and God promises that they will have a son. And so what happens is, is that Sarah, Abraham and Isaac actually birth the people of God, the nation of God. And it was promised that then a Messiah would come at one day. That was a major shift event in history. God's saying it's happening again. I'm doing this again. I want you to know that this is what I'm doing. And then Zechariah, Elizabeth, and John, what they do is they now prepare the way for the Messiah right now. That's what they're doing. Uh, uh, Sarah, Abraham, and and Isaac, they prepared the way for the people of God. Now, Elizabeth, Zechariah, and John prepare the way for God's Savior to come into the world. And so that's what we're supposed to pick up on in this passage. Um, It says this in verse 17. Compare what Elizabeth felt and the doubt and the hurt and the shame to what God was really doing through that. In verse 17, speaking of the son that they would come, it says he will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. And right away, it's like, that's, again, it's a huge prophecy that the spirit of Elijah or that spirit of prophecy that Elijah had in the old Testament would come back right before the Messiah. So they're saying like, this is big. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. And so what did Elizabeth do while she waited? That's important, right? Um, I, I had a, a, a friend that uh, he learned guitar while he would wait for his wife to get uh, ready when they would go out, you know? And he just said, well, she t- she g- it takes her a lot longer to get ready. I'm pretty quick. And so I just picked up the guitar and started doing that, right? Right. Uh, what you do while you're waiting is so important, right? There's all kinds of things these days, screens and all kinds of stuff that, that you know, make it, you can just sit there and wait aimlessly. But what do you do when you're waiting? Well, what Elizabeth did and Zechariah is that in, in verse six, it says that uh, she was righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all the Lord's commandments and regulations. So this is walking by faith. And so even though Elizabeth felt all of these things going on, even though she felt abandoned by God, even though she felt like God wasn't moving, even though all of these things she walked by faith and she she put she put into place her belief. Uh, walking by faith in this time is, is believing in the goodness and promises of God. You may not see them. You may not feel them. There not, may not even be a scent of them, but it's just walking that out faithfully, serving faithfully. You ever feel like that? like what's the point? You know there, in some, there are some things in life where you where you need to say that, like, what's the point, right? Like uh, um, you know, sometimes you feel that way with your sports team, right?'re watching your sports team and it's like, what's the point? You know, they're just not doing it this year, right and 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 well the point is you, you get involved and do that stuff, but but um with God, never come to the place and say, what's the point. And you may feel that way with your life today. You may feel that way with your life and you look at your life and you say, you know, what's the point? I just feel like a failure, feel like I'm not doing good at my job, feel like I'm a bad parent, feel like I'm a bad spouse, feel like, you know, besides that I'm a terrible neighbor and just, you know, I'm grumpy and whatever. What's the point, right? And God says says there is so much. I'm doing so much. I have goodness for you. I have life for you. I have hope for you. And I'm working in you. You're not alone. He has something great that he's working in you. He has your Elizabeth and Mary moment. He has that for you. He's working in that, in you, in your life. So Elizabeth was focusing on becoming the person that can receive the blessing or the mission that God is preparing. So that's the key. While you're waiting, focus on God. I know that I'm waiting on you. Would you make me the person that can receive what you're working in me? Would you make me that person that can do that and handle that and walk in that? That's got to be the cry of all of us. And, you know, at this point in the message, I was like searching for some big story. Oh, man, I got to get a story of somebody's life that was like they really God intervened in their plans and there was this big thing and, and it came out. And then I said, no, I, I want to put your story right in there sometimes that's really helpful and it is you're like, yeah, that's inspiring. But I just want to tell you that, that your story goes right in here. It absolutely does. Because that's what we see how God works. So if you're feeling lonely today, if you're feeling abandoned by God today, if you're feeling like he's left you alone, if you're feeling he's not doing something in your life, if you're feeling those things, he's working in your life today. He's going to turn it around for good. He's turning around for something, a big thing. He hears you. He hears your prayers. He's working in you. He has you. And so pray that prayer. Lord, would you make me the person that can receive and walk in what you're preparing me for? And now we go to Mary. So Mary had her plans interrupted and she says, yes, saying yes. When God's early. Saying yes when God interrupts everything in saying yes. Isn't that hard? Well, I've got my plan today. I've time blocked everything out today. Man, what's going on? I don't have time for this. And yet what i found is is that God's big moves and the big opportunities where you partner with him or when he works in your life, they're always interruptions. They're always interruptions. And and sometimes they seem like, oh man, what am I going to do here? And yet it's this deep breath walk into it, and it's like, hot dog, look at this. This is so much better than the day that I could have scripted out. This is so much better than the week or the month that I could have scripted out. This is so much better. And so God interrupts our lives. So uh, what Mary must have felt when an angel comes to her and says, hey, here's the thing, 13 to 15-year-old girl, I know you're about to be married to Joseph. What a stud, that guy. He's awesome. But here's the thing. God wants you to birth the Messiah into the world. And it's not going to come through Joseph, but God is just going to make you pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit, a miracle he's going to do in you. And Mary says, say, what? Isn't that going to be kind of complicated? In that I'm a virgin? And that, I mean, Joseph's going to have some questions. My parents are going to have some questions. People are going to have some questions. And so what Mary must have felt, uh, she may have felt intimidated when the angel came, right? You ever feel like that? Like, oh man, you've got the wrong address. Yeah. One thought to think about is that, I don't know, were there other girls that the angel went to before Mary? Not that she was second choice, but maybe somebody said no. I don't know. But he comes to her and she felt intimidated. She, she probably felt silly. Uh, she probably felt fearful, um, doubtful. She probably felt ill-equipped. Um, she probably felt unworthy. Later on, she, I'm sure she felt judged or condemned. I mean, that always went around. It was always talked about with Joseph and Mary and what really happened with this Jesus. <clears throat> she was probably confused. So that's what she felt, but feelings without facts creates fiction. So what was God really doing? Well, he was illuminating first how God sees her and speaks of her, her identity, because the angel shows up on the scene and he says, hello, how are you? And the message version of the Bible or translation of the Bible says this, it translates like what the angel says to her. Good morning. You are beautiful with God's beauty, beautiful inside and out. God be with you. You can come to my house any morning, buddy. Right. Come to my house anytime. I mean, can you imagine being greeted like that? Guys take notes. Can you imagine being greeted like that? And and what the angel is sharing, he's saying, like, let me tell you how God sees you. Let me tell you your identity. Let me tell you who you really are, even though you don't feel like that at all. This is how God sees you. And then also God is fulfilling his promise of salvation for the world. And it starts with a teenager. It starts with her. And it's interesting a large majority of, of the revivals, the renewing and the reviving of the church and and then movements where people in a community come to know Jesus, many times happen through young people. And it's happening again. As I talk to pastor friends throughout the world and throughout the United States, we're seeing young people, just like we are in this community, we're seeing young people turn their hearts to Jesus. And that's what God spoke to us that, and yes, I, I know I've said it before, but it's important. It's what God spoke to us when we were going to come here. He said, I'm, I'm going to reach the young people uh, and, and then through, and then through the young people, I'm going to reach the community, the city. And so he starts out with Mary and, and what he says to her in verse 29 is, uh, it says this confused and disturbed. Mary tried to think what the angel could be, could mean, uh, don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. So this, all these words for us, if you study the Bible, you know that all these things are talking about the Messiah. He's putting in key words there and, and Mary would have known this like, Hey, I'm doing the thing through you. God's doing it through you. And so um the, where it says you will name him, Jesus, that's like a, you know, a a different translation of the word, but his name, his name would have been Joshua. Okay. Or Yeshua. Okay. We change it over to Jesus, but Yeshua, what it means is why, if you were to look at it, Y-H-W-H or Yahweh saves, that's what his name means. And so he's saying, I'm going to have you birth God's salvation into the world. No pressure no pressure. That's what I'm doing. And because, because, uh, what we see here is we see God's doing miracles, right? Virgin birth. And then a little bit later on, he's like, when Mary's kind of like stuttering, she's like, Oh, what are we doing here? He says, Oh, by the way, your cousin, Elizabeth, that's much older, she's pregnant too. And he says, nothing's impossible with God. So he's intertwining these two stories so that Mary can see that God can do anything. And then Mary asked the angel, she's like, uh, she's like, how can this happen? I'm a virgin, you know, and, and he tells her the Holy Spirit's going do to th- do this. And so how Mary responded though, right? Wakes up like any other day. How does Mary respond when God interrupts her life? Well, she says, yes. She says this. She says, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Listen, if you hear one thing today, when God speaks to you, when God interrupts, say yes. Say yes to him. That's the way. You want to grow spiritually? You want to have a life that you could never dream of? When God speaks to you, ask something of you, say yes. You say, well, how will I know? Like, how, how will I know when God speaks to me? Well, here, here's, here's the track. Is he'll give you little things to say yes to. Hey, spend time with me. You know, read your Bible. Why don't you pray right now? Hey, just sit. Come, come sit with me. Calm down. No, nope, don't do that. No, nope, be kind to that person. No, nope, forgive that person. Hey, don't get so mad. I've got you. Don't worry. I've got, you know, okay, yes, I'm gonna do those things. And then as you say yes to those things, hey, um, you know, why don't you go share what you've got with that person or, or hey, go talk to your neighbor. Well, they'll think I'm silly. Well, okay, but all right, but I've asked you to do it. Say yes. And he'll give you bigger and bigger things. And as he asks you to do bigger and bigger things, you will know that it's him because you've known his voice and he trains you. That's the way. And so when he speaks to you, when he asks you, say yes. And I think that that's also the primary way that we grow spiritually and and get that closer walk with Jesus. And, you know, the things of this world fade and grow dim because we're just so walking with Jesus. And what that's called is that's obedience, right? Jesus said, if you love me, you obey me. And that sounds kind of like a weird relationship, harsh. It's just obeying. No, listen, with, with God, it's just like this, like, hey, come take a walk with me. Come on right? Come take a walk with Andy, right? Andy walks with me, right? Who's Andy? Okay. You know, Andy walks with me and he talks with me, Jesus, right? When Jesus says obey, he's saying like, hey, come and be with me. Like, hey, I'm doing this. Come over here. He's saying, come and do this. It's not this harsh thing, but he calls you into it. Mary said, yes. And because of that, she's known more in the Eastern Orthodox uh, streams of the church, but she's known as Theodicus. It's this, the theos is is God, the word for God in Greek, uh, tokus is is birth, giving birth, childbirth. And she's known as the one that would birth God into the world. She's called the God bearer. And know that, that while Mary birthed God physically into the world, God the son, God wants to do something in you that, that he would be birthed into the community be birthed into your home, be birthed into your life. It's, it's an opportunity every day. He says, Hey, will you, will you bear me into the world today? Will you let me be seen in your life today and in the lives of others? That's what he wants to do for all of us. Now I like Mary because she does something else. If you look at verse 39, she actually, what is the first thing she does? She says, yes, let it be. I'm God's servant. And then it says, right away, she went to visit Elizabeth. What is she, What was she doing? She's like, okay, I'm on with this crazy thing that God's doing, but I want to go check out the evidence. He said that my elderly cousin, Elizabeth, is pregnant. She's never been able to have kids. We prayed and prayed and prayed, and yet all of a sudden, she's pregnant. I'm going to go check it out. And then it comes upon the scene that we saw earlier. So how do we take this home? Um, and these are on your notes there. You can take it through. But, you know, what impossible situation are you facing? And, and some of you right away I say that, say, well, I don't have any impossible situation. I got this thing, which is really bothering me, but I don't have a big impossible. Listen, starts with smaller things and works up to bigger things. So whatever situation that you look at, instead of using your natural resources, your natural way of doing things, ask God, hey, God, would you take care of this thing? I've seen that so many times, you know, where I'm like, oh my gosh, I prayed for that. And it wasn't even like, I mean, yeah, sometimes I'm praying, 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 and I see things answered. And then sometimes it's just like, hey, God, would you help me with this? Or would you do this? And all of a sudden it's, whoa, right? So what impossible situation are you facing? Like Elizabeth, pray for a miracle in your life. Trusting Jesus, trusting his promise that all things are possible for those who believe God. And here's the thing, anytime you're struggling with temptation or anytime you're struggling with with needing something or or asking for something, when you pray for yourself, pray for one other person too. It not only like doubles down into what God is going to do in your life and the life of others, but it also pushes away the enemy too pushes away the flesh and the enemy too. you double down and do that like it's I've told guys and and people for years you know you struggle with lust or you struggle with that sort of thing. Hey, when you pray for yourself to be strong in that, pray for a bunch of other guys too. you know you see temptation, you see the enemy, you see those things flee as you go through that, and so pray for one other person for a miracle as well. uh you know what are you hoping for like right, right Mary was like, going to the chapel and I'm Gonna get married. I'm gonna be pregnant too. <laughs> no. she wasn't hoping for that. She's hoping it's gonna be this perfect thing, and she's excited. And then all of a sudden, God says, "Hey, would you do this thing with me?" And it's messy. Get rid of that too. Don't worship like. Don't worship uh, um, uh, sanitized life. Don't worship this all put together thing and think that if you follow Jesus, it's all going to be nice and neat and whatever it is. The mess of Jesus is so fun. The mess of Jesus is, is just so fun and you can't control it and you can't push it and you can't any of those things. It's just so fun. So let them in. So what are you hoping for? Pray with Mary. Let it be to me according to your word with what you're hoping for. Instead of trying to make things happen, you're trusting God to work as you do your part, right? I mean, think about Mary. Okay. Great, that's what we're doing. Mary couldn't make it happen; God had to do it, and so it is too with some of the things you're hoping for. God has to do it. But but when you pray for that situation, uh, when you ask God to work on you know, on your part uh, or on your behalf, pray for someone else who needs to trust God too, because that's really what it comes down to. Pray for someone else that needs to trust God. And then lastly, you guys, um, what will you do during Advent? Like, how will you wait? Right? As, as little kids, we're like, oh, the, the presents, right? Uh, I lived out in the country, and there was this kind of small hill uh, off the highway, small highway, just two-lane highway, and and the UPS truck in our area uh, had horrible brakes, and so uh, my grandparents in Northern California would would send just uh, just tons of presents for us, and boxes and boxes, and and, and um, it was just a huge blessing. And, and so, but right around this time, we would hear. You know, and then all of a sudden we had this dirt road lean over. All of a sudden the UPS trucks come, the dust is coming off the back of the truck. It's here, it's here, it's here. But then I had to wait. I had to wait to open those things and do that. And so it was a rhythm, right? Um, but I, I looked at a lot of stuff too. Um, so my mom watches sometime. Hi, mom. Uh, you know, and so, so I, I, I got really good at kind of opening them, some of them, looking at them, you know, take a hairdryer, heat up the stuff. If you want to do that and look at what's under the tree, I'll tell you. Um, but what will you, how will you wait during Advent? Like make it a rhythm, like make this something like you really wait during this time that you, you know, make, make a decision to do certain things, to wait on things or, or to, instead of just going and getting something for yourself or doing something, uh, just ask God, like, God, what do you think about this? Will you provide this for me or do you want this for me? And then, you know, to uh, the gospel of Luke, which we read today. And we'll read over these next four weeks. If, if you start on uh, Wednesday, the 1st, and then read for 24 days, by Christmas Eve, you'll read the entire book. Just read one chapter a day. And so, uh, you know, and then you'll read all of Luke's account of the life of Jesus. So that's a good way to wait during this time. Thanks for listening this week. If you are looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, go to vkcwest.com.